the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. This is Bob Bergman broadcasting from my office here in San Jose in the Cambrian Park neighborhood of San Jose, if you're familiar with that. I'm on Ross Avenue near Hillsdale, across from the fire station, uh, and also across from uh, Target, uh, one of my favorite places to go shop for uh, everything from groceries to uh, clothing items to toiletries. Uh, This is not a a paid ad. Uh, I just enjoy shopping at Target. I find it uh, very convenient to my office. And uh, also a lot of people in the area, if I tell them I'm near the Target, they know exactly where my office is. So uh, last week, um, you listened to, if you listen to my show, you listened to a show that I had recorded earlier in the week for broadcast on Friday Because uh, while the show was being broadcast uh, Friday afternoon, I was actually at uh, Disneyland with my wife and my uh, two girls uh, enjoying the sights and the sounds and the food and and, uh, to a certain extent the rides as well. Although I I can't really go on most rides anymore um, because uh, for uh, health reasons I really can't. But... um, I still had a uh, a really good time there, and uh, my kids had a really good time, and uh, I always enjoy Disneyland, even if I can't really enjoy it in person uh, on the rides like I used to. I enjoy it because I enjoy seeing the people that are there and how much fun they're having and what a good time people seem to be having. Uh, I like people watching. Some people like doing that, and but I especially like seeing my wife and my kids coming off of a ride and them being happy, and at least for a time period, being able to, to put aside some of their concerns and stresses and things like that. Disneyland is a good place for that. Now, tomorrow morning, <clears throat> Saturday, December 4th, starting at 9 o'clock, going till about 10 or 10.30, I have my third estate planning workshop of the year. It will be my last workshop of the year because it's here in December. I will likely bring a workshop back uh, a couple of weeks into January. But if you've been wanting to find out about estate planning and some of the issues in estate planning and actually come to a workshop that is interactive, uh, I ask everybody in the workshop to participate Uh, in the workshop, 
Uh, you don't have to. You can kind of sit back and listen and write, take notes and things like that. But um, right now, I have a total of of uh, 40 spaces available, although if you go to register, you'll see 39. Uh, that's because uh, there's a registration that's not on there. I right now have 33 people that have signed up for the workshop, so it's going to be a pretty full house. Uh, masks are necessary, but I provide all the materials you need, including pens, if you need them. Just make sure to bring yourself, bring your own mask. If you would like to register, registration is open until, I think I have it open until 7.30 a.m. tomorrow morning, although I urge you to register before then to make sure you can actually uh, get a spot. Um, if it is full and you decide to show up, I may be able to take a few more people, but I cannot guarantee that. To register, go to eventbrite.com and search for the estate planning workshop on December 4th. That will be me. Uh, and you can register through there. You can enroll um, more than one person. Uh, you can register multiple people at one time, get multiple tickets at one time if you'd like to come with a group. Um, that's certainly perfectly fine with me. You can also go to my website at lawbob, L-A-W-B-O-B dot com and click on the link at the top that says uh, seminars and workshops. And that will open up a page on my website that gives a description of the workshop and then a button that you can click on that will again take you to Eventbrite so that you can register. So um, this event has filled up very rapidly over the last couple of weeks, a couple of weeks ago, I had one person signed up and now I have 33. So uh, if you'd like to get in tomorrow morning, last chance this year, uh, register right now or right after my show's over. Don't wait until the last minute because all of the tickets may be gone. Now, there is no charge for this workshop. And as I indicated, I provide all the materials uh, including pens to write with, if you need a pen to write with. And uh, it's going to be at the Silicon Valley Business Center on Camden Avenue, near Lee Avenue in San Jose. Uh, the seminar is going to be held in the seminar room in the location. The entrance to the seminar room is at the end that is the main entrance to the business center, which is the entrance closest to Lee Avenue. Uh, you have to be coming, uh, going eastbound on Camden Avenue in order to get into the parking lot because there's no way to turn left into the parking lot if you're going uh, westbound or west slash northbound on Camden Avenue. Okay, so getting started with the show today, I intend to follow my usual format of questions and comments from around the state of California. And I'm going to dive right in with, uh, let's see, with one out of uh, Irvine, California. And someone uh, said, I just received a decent amount of money. Now, I'm not sure how much that is. Uh, a decent amount of money might be five or $10,000. For some people, a decent amount of money might be a half a million dollars. But let's address that it's probably at least a couple hundred thousand dollars. 
Question, do I need an attorney to do a trust to protect it? Well, the short answer to that is I can't really tell just because someone received a bunch of money. I can't really tell if that means that they should actually do a trust to somehow uh, protect that money. If they're looking at doing a trust to provide asset protection, well, that's a whole different thing from doing a trust to protect the money. And I'm not really sure exactly what, um, if they're worried about asset protection, that might be one thing that people are talking about. But really, I'm a firm believer in using trusts to hold your property, uh, to hold real estate if you own it, to hold bank accounts and brokerage accounts so that someone can easily handle them for you if you become incapacitated. That avoids a conservatorship for you. And then someone can easily handle them and take over them and administer them and ultimately distribute them after you've died, and that avoids the probate process. So uh, as an estate planning attorney, I am a big fan of uh, of actually using trusts for uh, planning purposes. I think it's uh, a very useful thing to do. I think it's something that uh, people should consider if they have uh, anything like fairly substantial assets. And a lot of people do have fairly substantial assets, in which case I would recommend that they consider using a trust. So we're coming up on the first break of our show today. Uh, and when we come back from the break, I'm going to continue with more questions and comments from around the state of California. So first break of the show today, and I'll talk with you after the break. This is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. Talk with you in a few minutes. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back to the second segment of our show today. Now, uh, this is one out of actually out of Cupertino, California, which is uh, kind of in my backyard here in San Jose. And uh, here is the situation. It's a pretty straightforward one, but it's a pretty common question that comes up. Person says, my house is held in a revocable living trust and recorded as such with the county. My spouse has recently died. My spouse was a co-grantor or creator of the trust and a co-trustee of the trust. A while ago, we used a quitclaim deed to transfer our property from community property into the ownership of our living trust, with both of us being uh, grantors and grantees. Grantees are the ones receiving property. What documents should be filed with the county to properly remove the name of my deceased spouse. If notarization is required, can it be done at the recorder's office? Well, in answer to the first question, what needs to be recorded is an affidavit of uh, an, an affidavit of change of trustee. That would be the common document uh, that we would use. And an affidavit of change of trustee is recorded with a 
death certificate of the of the spouse and basically it says to the world this person has died and he is the new person who is the sole trustee in charge of this trust and the uh, the original um, trustee who has died is now going to actually be um, it's actually going to be the, the uh, removed from the title and will and the surviving spouse will be the only one left. You will find that notarization cannot be done at the recorder's office. Uh, they don't really do that. But you can go to um, probably the easiest place I've found is check with your local mailboxes, etc. They often have a notary public that works there and is on duty. You probably want to call ahead of time, make sure that person is in that day and that they're not all backed up. But you could get documents notarized there. I've had documents that I needed notarized, notarized at mailboxes, etc. I'm a notary public myself, but I can't notarize my own documents. I only notarize uh, documents of my clients as part of the estate planning that I do. But that's kind of the answer to that question right there. Okay, out of South Pasadena, California, someone asked this question. What are the pros and cons of listing my estate as a beneficiary? Well, I'm assuming the person's talking about as a beneficiary of life insurance, maybe a retirement plan, maybe also a beneficiary of an insurance policy, excuse me, uh, uh, and a um, checking account or a brokerage account, things like that. And in a case like that, the advantage of doing that is you know it's all going to go to one place. The disadvantage of doing that is you're now forcing everything to go through the probate process. And if you don't even have a will, then where that property goes will be determined by the laws of the state called intestate succession. And if you have a will, it will still have to all go through the probate process. So whenever you designate your estate, you're saying you want that asset to go through probate, which is a very long and expensive process that I work very hard as an estate planning attorney uh, avoiding for my clients. Um, but that being said, uh, that you know you can certainly do that, but understand that if you do, if you don't designate beneficiaries who are alive when you die, um, things will go to your probate estate anyway. I recommend for most people, if they have substantial monies, that they seriously consider setting up a trust and having their assets owned by the trust. And many of them, if not directly owned by the trust, directed to be paid to the trust, such as life insurance or a bank account or brokerage account, pay on death designation to the trust. Uh, Retirement plans are a special case, and I don't really talk about those on the air because uh, they're a very special case. And I don't want people getting the wrong impression and saying, you know, oh, well, attorney Bob Bergman on the radio said do this. So that's what I'm going to do, and it could be completely wrong. 
for your situation. So I don't recommend that you take what I'm saying and say, oh, well, now I know what to do and just try and do it yourself. There are any number of factors that might create a different result for you and your family. And I have no way to address all of those on on a radio show uh, one hour on a Friday afternoon. It just can't be done. So, uh, but for most people, if they have substantial assets, I think they should probably use a trust, a living trust, for the distribution of those assets and not try to use beneficiary designations. Uh, that is my opinion, and I'm kind of going to stick with that because uh, I think it's, uh, it's the, the better thing to do. Okay. Out of San Francisco, can an estranged relative who was not listed in a living trust sue for their claim? I think what they mean, their share. Says, my deceased grandmother's living trust did not list her deceased son as a beneficiary. Okay. Grandma passed away two years ago. My aunt, who is the primary trustee, has not disclosed or done anything with the trust because she's afraid of being sued. Can my deceased uncle's widow and or children sue for an undocumented claim to the trust? Okay. The short answer to all this is, if someone who is deceased is not listed as a beneficiary and the trust doesn't provide that that deceased son in this case, that deceased son's children or spouse are to receive that deceased son's share, if the deceased son is just not named at all, it's probably going to all go to who's named in the trust. Now, that doesn't mean that someone can't sue, but the, ba- the question would be, what are you suing based on what? Uh, you were not named as a beneficiary. Certainly the spouse was not named as a beneficiary. Uh, the children of the deceased uncle um, might typically be the beneficiaries of their father's share. But if their father was excluded from being named and they were not identified in any way, shape or form, they probably have no right to a claim anyway. OK, we're coming up on the mid-show break. Uh, And when we come back after the break, I'll continue with more Plan Your State Radio. This is your host, estate planning attorney, Bob Bergman. Catch you on the other side. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. So I'm going to dive right back into more questions and comments from the state of California. Uh, This one comes out of San Francisco. And the person said, My stepmother has been taking care of me my whole life, and I want to add her last name to my name. How can I do that? Well, that is actually something that you do through the court. Uh, It's a name change, which, you know, not surprisingly, that's what it's called. Uh, It's paperwork that you can file with the court, um, I, I think some courts you may be able to file it um, ex parte, meaning just file the paperwork and let the court consider it. Others, they may very well 
have a uh, notice requirement and that you have to get a hearing date set. And then on the hearing date, uh, you fill out the paperwork, you file it, and then the court considers your request. And as long as you're not doing a name change to try to avoid creditors or hide your identity in some way, which amazingly enough, I know it's true, but there's some people that actually do that. Uh, as long as that's what you're that you're not doing that, uh, then typically you would actually have the request granted by the court. So uh, that's basically what you would do there. Okay. Uh, question is a signed note legal in a probate court. I received a note from a relative stating any gifts provided to me in the past are considered gifts only and will not be deducted from this relative's will or trust. Okay, so it sounds like there's a probate, actually, and a relative died, and the relative sent a note saying any gifts provided to me by this relative are gifts and will not be deducted from my share of the estate when the relative dies. Now, I would say if the note is dated and it's signed by the relative and it can easily be proven that the relative, in fact, signed the note or wrote the note out in their own handwriting, um, it would certainly be evidence in probate court. Uh, the reason this person brought this up is the executor in charge doesn't get along with this person. So uh, the issue is, if the person asking the question is an heir under the relative's will, then the person who's the executor has to follow what the will says and, uh, and, can, and cannot um, take a position contrary to what the relative had already stated. Uh, which means I wouldn't be terribly concerned unless the executor was trying to somehow go after these gifts that were made, claiming that they're actually monies owed to the estate, in which case um, it likely would end up in court, and then this person could present the note from the relative showing, no, they were gifts, not loans, because the only way you could really go after them is if they were loans, and the only way you could even account for them uh, if they were just gifts is if someone's will or trust explicitly stated, and any gifts that I made are to count as part of the distributive share of the person I gave the gift to, meaning it's kind of like you're getting some of your share of the distribution ahead of time in the form of a gift, but I want that accounted for when I die. And I've drawn up trust like that before. We kind of call it truing up the estate between the various beneficiaries, some of whom may have received monies in advance, uh, kind of an advance on their inheritance. Okay, here's the background. Person says, I was appointed trustee of my late sister's trust for her children. No one opposed my appointment at that time. They all knew I was not an attorney or accountant. I apparently made a transaction 
which a creditor is claiming is a fraudulent conveyance transaction, but which I did to help the beneficiaries. I'll say right now, if it was a fraudulent conveyance, it's not really helping the beneficiaries, especially if now the trust is being sued. That didn't benefit the beneficiaries. Uh, The beneficiaries are saying I may have made them liable, which I don't agree with. Well, that remains to be seen. Uh, What happens if the creditor sues claiming a fraudulent conveyance, whether they're successful or not? Beneficiary said it was my duty as fiduciary to check with an attorney before moving a million-dollar property in their trust, which they weren't informed of and wouldn't approve of. There's nothing in the trust that said I had to consult an attorney before moving property around, and I think if I should have, it should have been written in the trust. Okay? Your duty as a trustee or fiduciary is to always act in the best interest of the beneficiaries. Your duty is also to consult with appropriate experts if you don't know what you're doing or you want to determine whether or not the action you're about to take is something that's permitted not just under the trust, but under the trust laws and under other laws of the state. So uh, the trustee has tremendous responsibility. I tell people You wouldn't necessarily want to voluntarily be the trustee for anybody because it's a tremendous responsibility. Unless you have specific expertise in investing and specific expertise in understanding the law and complying with the law, you probably should have an accountant that's working for you and an attorney that's advising you when you're acting as a trustee. In this case, this person might end up actually being liable to her uh, her sisters his or her sisters kids if they end up suffering financial loss or if the trust ends up having to spend money defending the action of the trustee that's found to have been an improper action uh being taken so yes the trustee could be held liable for that and uh, it's something I always advise trustees. Uh, make sure you really want to do this and uh, and make sure that you really understand that there are uh, obligations involved when you're acting as a trustee. It's not something that you, you can just kind of do on your own. It's not something you should really uh, try to do on your own. You really want to actually have people assisting you with something like that. Okay, here out of Venice, California. Person said, my mother died February 14th, 2021. Um, She'd been suffering from several medical conditions. Um, My brother's wife was named as trustee of her trust. From 2000 to 2018, multiple versions of of mom's trust were executed. The 2018 version was agreed upon by all beneficiaries, including myself, to be revoked and that the 2009 version put back in place. Let me hit a pause button right here. The beneficiaries of an irrevocable trust after the person's died don't have the authority to just revoke a trust. They don't have the authority to do that at all. 
I say that um, because literally because there is no authority to make changes to a trust that's already irrevocable without the changes going through a court. And you likely would not be able to go back and revoke, quote unquote, revoke, revoke a trust uh, where the person's already died. You might be able to make modifications, but probably not. So here the problem is, unbeknownst to this person, the 2009 version, despite all statements by my mother to the contrary before she died, gave my brother, sister-in-law, and their children over 90% of mom's property, while my sister and I each received 5%. In settling the trust, the trustee failed to provide me with an accounting of assets or ability to see the other versions of the trust within the 120-day statute limitations period to contest under California law. Despite this failure to provide the requested documents that could have allowed me to meet this statute, is the statute told doing breach of duty or am I hosed? Let's talk about that. There's a requirement in the law, section 16061.7 of the probate code, that requires the trustee of a trust that is now irrevocable to provide copies of the terms of the trust to all the beneficiaries of the trust uh, and also by extension, to anyone who would have been an intestate heir of the person uh, or even anybody who had been disinherited, um, they may be entitled to receive a copy as well so that they can challenge or contest. In this case, if the person never received a copy of the 2009 trust, um, and that is the trust that is now essentially being held onto, um, they've never received that 1606 1.7 notice in the first place, and there is no 120 days that's running. Uh, they could go and contest that right now, um, and uh, and if they want to object to that, um, they could do that right now. Okay, we're coming up on the end of the third segment of our show today. When I come back, I'll be continuing with more Plan Your Estate Radio. This is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, your host. And when we come back, I'll finish out the show with a few more questions and comments from around the state of California. This is attorney Bob Bergman, and I'll see you on the other side of the break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back to the final segment of the show today. I'm going to wrap up the show today with a few more questions and comments. Uh, Here's one out of Los Angeles, kind of an interesting one. Uh, Someone want to know, are there academic lawyers or lawyers for hire that will thoroughly review a complicated trust document and explain it. So this person said they had two return, uh, two attorneys look at this trust document. Apparently they both missed things that the other didn't, with both saying the document was much more complicated than the ones they deal with. One was a litigator, suggested I look for someone with a more academic approach, 
which is why I'm using that term. I know lawyers have different areas of expertise, and I was wondering if there are lawyers who specialize in thoroughly reviewing a document where they can explain what happens in terms of the death of the settlor and other scenarios and hypotheticals. I currently don't have a case, so I don't know if this makes this harder to find an attorney for this limited job. I know I can call any of the trust attorneys I find listed, uh, but this request seems unusual. So if there are specific questions I can ask, uh, what this person is asking for, I mean, someone like me who's a certified specialist in estate planning could probably fit the bill for reviewing a trust document and um, giving detailed responses. But if this person wanted to go through the entire trust document and have everything explained in the trust document and then have hypotheticals and alternates and everything, that could be dozens of hours of work for an attorney uh, to go through a single trust document, especially if it's complex. And if the person wants to have to just sit down and ask questions and get verbal responses, that's one thing. If they want a written explanation for everything, we're now talking about um, writing up an explanation that might end up actually longer than the trust document itself. So I understand what the person's trying to get at, but um, I think they'd be hard-pressed to find any attorney willing to devote that much time committing ahead of time without really knowing what it is that they're dealing with um, to to actually take on an assignment like that. Um, I think it would be uh, difficult to find someone willing to do that. Out of Glendale, someone said, I was looking for an estate attorney to restate my old living trust. I had a complimentary Zoom consultation with an attorney, which, by the way, that's one of the uh, options you can use when consulting with me, either on the telephone, by Zoom, or in person in my office. And the last one is my preferred one because I like being able to talk in person with people. Uh, per his request, I had to email via secured connection a copy of my old trust plus a very extensive questionnaire. I don't use an extensive questionnaire um, to consult. I used to. I don't do that anymore. We decided not to do a trust restatement and to do an amendment instead. Since his attorney does not do amendments to trust done by other attorneys, I'm in the same camp with that. We did not hire him. I contacted his office manager asking to let me know when our file is going to be deleted or erased, but got no reply. Okay, let me first address that if someone provides me documents as part of a consultation, my practice is to store those documents electronically uh, because the person may come back to me later on and want to engage me to do something and then I have the documents. Or someone in the future might be trying to locate copies of those documents and I still have them. If someone insisted that I destroy physical and electronic copies of any documents they provided to me in a consultation, 
I would draw up a specific written release where the person uh, specifically indicated in there, they directed me to destroy all electronic copies and all physical copies of all documents they provided to me. And they recognized that that means I will not have any of those copies and would not be available as a resource to them or anyone else in the future for copies. I'd have them sign that or else I'd say, please send me a letter in the mail signed and dated directing me to destroy all copies of everything, including electronic copies, so that I can put it in my file. And if someone later comes back uh, demanding copies of those documents, I can produce this letter saying I was directed to destroy everything. Um, That's kind of how I would handle that as an attorney. Okay, so it looks like we're coming up to just about a minute left to go on the show today. Um, I wanted to repeat one last time that I do have an estate planning workshop tomorrow morning, uh, Saturday, December 4th, starting at 9 a.m. at the Silicon Valley Business Center on Camden Avenue near Lee in San Jose. You can register by going to eventbrite.com and searching for estate planning workshop for December 4th. You can register through there. You could also go to my website at lawbob.com, click on the link for seminars and workshops, and then you can click on a link in there to take you to Eventbrite. Uh, I have 33 people signed up for the workshop. I have room for 40, uh, and registration will close at 7.30 a.m. tomorrow morning. Uh, If you want to take a chance and just drop by, there may be room, but I can't guarantee that. So until next week, this is Attorney Bob Bergman. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.